Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 41. 42. 42, actually, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, anyway, uh, it's going to be a shorter cast this week, but we have a lot to talk about in that short amount of time. Uh, Just schedules are a little hectic this week, so we'll, you know, get back to a regular full-length podcast for you guys next week, but... um, yeah, let's just get right to it. Uh, the crew is here, as always. Uh, Richard, how's it going? Hey, everyone. What's going on? Seth, what's up? Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going. So we got a lot to talk about in this short segment. We're going to tackle Return to Innistrad uh, was uh, released. So sh- the the set is called Shadows of Innistrad. Did I get that right? Shadows no? over Innistrad. Shadows over Innistrad. Got it. Another return set. So yay, uh, I guess. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of the Commander spoilers, which uh, I've said uh, over many podcasts that we've done that I don't play EDH, and I'm actually really excited for this. So we're going to talk about that. We got some fish mail, and we got some unfortunate announcements that we need to talk about. So uh, let's just get to it, guys. Let's tackle the uh, SCG announcement first and just get this out of the way. Richard, tell us about it, because you're really into Legacy, and this really affects Legacy. A lot. Yeah, so they made a bunch of changes to the SCG Opens. Um, they, they said it's related to the Grand Prix changes, but basically they're scaling down their events. Uh, as part of this, they are removing Legacy from the Invitational. So Invitationals used to be a split format tournament, uh, Standard and Legacy. Now it's Standard and Modern. Legacy is gone. Uh, the Legacy side events, so you see them as uh, the Premier IQs. Uh, will no longer pay out cash. They'll pay out in prize wall tickets. And uh, so most people are seeing that as the death of Legacy. Legacy is no longer being supported by SCG. And as a throw in there, uh, which doubly hurts me, is they've cut back on their West Coast events. So all of them are now centered uh, on the East Coast. So no more West Coast events, no more Legacy. I have nothing to do on weekends now. Mm-hmm. That is the sad state of eternal magic on the West Coast. Uh, big, big blow. Um, so when this stuff happens, let's just be honest here. There's always a lot of overreaction in this community. But, um, Richard, is it warranted this time? Because, like, we've we've gone through a lot of announcements over the course of this podcast, and there's a lot of really divided views on on some of this stuff and really uh overreaction to this stuff a lot of people are saying you know the death of legacy is that is it is that not being too far off the truth this time i think we all knew it was coming i think the real death of legacy was when they stopped broadcasting the sunday tournaments yeah Uh, now the tournaments will pay out less but you can still go play so it's it's still kind of there for you um but it's it's slowly dying. Uh, we're, we're seeing it. Uh, you know, you don't see price movement based on legacy that much anymore. You don't see a lot of people talking about legacy, and you can't watch it uh, on camera, which I think is the most important part. Uh, you're you're not able to tune in on Sundays and pull in magic players. You know, watching other people cast brainstorm or you know getting wastelanded to death or stuff like that. You don't see that anymore. So we don't. You, you can't pull in new players, and if the player base doesn't grow, then format is just slowly dying. And, you know, this is just another step along the way, right? Like another uh, sign that, you know, SCG no longer finds it profitable, 
to increase viewership, they're showing modern instead, and they're reducing prize support. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Uh, Seth, you, you follow Legacy a lot, too. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, people have been saying Legacy is dead or dying for a long time now. And like Richard said, this is just the latest in the slow death as the format fades away. It's it's not good for Legacy. The, the thing that stuck out to me was how much they cut back on prize support. Like, not only did they get rid of cash, so you're winning prize wall tickets, which I guess is fine. I mean, I know I would rather just have cash because you could buy stuff that's on the prize wall or buy other things that aren't on the prize wall. But, right, the, yeah. but, the, but the first prize went down from 1200 bucks for winning a 5k on Sunday to about five booster boxes worth of product is what it equals out to, which is what, maybe 500 bucks retail and from SCG's perspective, probably closer to three or three hundred and fifty dollars. So they really killed the price support uh, for Legacy, and it's just sad because it's a great format. And I think we're really to the point where, if it hasn't happened already, if this isn't it within the next couple of years, there just won't be any place to play Legacy. It really will be one or two GPs a year, and that's it. Like maybe if you're in the right area on the East or West coast, you'll have a local gaming store where you can go and play once in a while. But I mean, I think this is the end, unfortunately. Uh, it's, it really is unfortunate. And I, I, I don't get into legacy as much as you guys do, but I really respect the format and I do follow it like when I can, not as much as modern or standard, but uh, it is unfortunate. I, I think it's, it's one of the formats that have been around for such a long time. It's, it's just sad to see the gradual cutback on the format. And Star City Games was kind of like the last stronghold for to watch Legacy, right? I mean, is this just going to be a, a basically a local thing now, like any other little you know side format? Yeah, we're gonna have to see if I, I don't know if anyone else will step in. I doubt it. Like SCG is just so big. Uh, if they can't make Legacy work, yeah. like who can? Um, what what I think will really happen is. Hopefully Wizards will support Legacy uh, on Magic Online. There's no reserve list on Magic Online, so they can make as many duels as they want. Uh, if true. they do a Legacy Super League, or if they run kind of big, I don't know, GP-style events on Magic Online, they could kind of keep Legacy alive as a Magic Online format. But in paper, you know, if SEG can't do it, I'm not sure who can. <laughs> like, they're, they're kind of yeah. biggest... Uh, tournament organizers you know we will we'll have things like eternal weekend where you know you can probably run an annual tournament but in terms of you know large weekly events i think uh that's that's kind of it and uh, yeah. we're not gonna be able to see legacy every week like that anymore yeah it, it definitely does seem like they're going to continue to support on uh mtgo right didn't they did make that announcement they're going to do that like tournament once a month kind of thing that that was her vintage oh Wow. All right. Yeah, you're right. Oddly, right now, Magic Online supports Vintage way more than it supports Legacy, which I I haven't really figured out. Well, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully it does. Like Richard said, hopefully it does end up on uh, MTGO instead of, you know, supporting Vintage a lot more. It's discouraging. I mean, a lot of people like the format, and it's just kind of sad to let an entire format die off like that. I guess, you know, people have to press on. Maybe... 
someone goes along the lines of what Randy Bueller is doing for the Vintage Master League, and they get like a crowdsource funding for it or something like that, and get people to cast it. I don't know. Maybe that's just something to do. From a meta perspective, something that's really interesting is the death of Legacy is sort of the death of a certain era of Magic. Like, we're mm-hmm. in the, uh, the only formats that you'll be able to see on stream consistently or go play consistently are m- going to be modern and standard. And there's such a huge difference in how a game of Magic plays between Legacy and Vintage and modern and standard. Like, there's a huge divide there. So it's already happening to some extent that new players don't understand unless they put a ton of effort into learning the history of the game and how where the game came from. But two or three years from now, we're going to have players that have no idea what Armageddon is or have no idea yeah. what Wasteland is or Counterspell is. Like they're, they're just cards that won't even be in their vocabulary, which is it's really weird to think about that how much the game has changed and uh, what this what the end of Legacy does to uh, kind of the history of the game and people's knowledge of the history of the game. Yeah, Richard's going to be very sad when uh, a lot of people that start playing the game from here on out don't know how good Brainstorm is. (laughs) (laughs) Magic's becoming like Hearthstone, if you just think about it for a minute. It's a bit sad, like, it's okay that Standard is how it is, uh, and there's a different way to play Magic in Legacy and Vintage, but it's really sad that, you know, because of the reserve list, uh, Wizards feels like they don't want to support this format, and now, you know, even the secondary market doesn't want to support it. So now we're kind of just left uh, with modern and standard. And the days of playing, you know, powerful spells and comboing off on turn one are, are kind of going away. Yeah, it is a big blow, especially to people. You know, Seth, uh, we've talked about this a few times on cast, just a little, like, financial anecdote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, adamant that, you know, all these cards were going to be such a, like, a lock uh, investment going forward, and I mean, if no one plays it, what's the point of owning them? You know, kind of thing. Uh, does that really change though? Like, who plays Black Lotus held its value well, pretty well, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. And well, well, maybe it you know it rebounds. We don't know. And people are still going to play Legacy. This when I say yeah. the death of Legacy, I don't mean that all of a sudden no one's going to play Legacy. It's too good of a format for people to stop playing it. It's always going to have this dedicated really hardcore fan base of people that are going to keep playing it. But it's from the big picture of the game as a whole, it's the death of it because you're not seeing it on stream. You don't have tournaments to attend. So it's not that no one's going to want or play with these old reserve list cards. It's just that their, their demand and appeal is diminished greatly because of this. Yep. Absolutely. So how long until we lose our legacy GP? That is the real question. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it usually is a pretty good turnout, no? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess, right? Like, how How is it compared to other GPs, though? Actually, I would huge. say it's not bad, but it's not yeah, like right. making, is it? I think, the I think it's pretty big, right? New Jersey, about a year ago, broke 4K, which I think was the biggest like GP they had had. Like, not limited, yeah. but constructed GP. I mean, as long as people keep showing up, I, I don't really see a reason, good reason, I mean, to stop it. And part of that is because they do it once a year. So everyone right. in the country that plays Legacy plans that year on their calendar as soon as the season schedule <laughs> yeah. comes out. 
They planned that yeah. one week. So if they did Legacy every weekend, there's no way it would match up to Standard and Modern. But because it's this special once or twice a year thing, people come from across the ocean, really. We get European players that come over here just for that one GP. So it, I think they'll keep it on the schedule, but I wouldn't expect them to expand the Legacy GP schedule anytime soon. Legacy is still big in other countries, too, so that's kind of at least good news. Hopefully that's kind of like enough to keep the format going. And like you guys said, it'll be played regardless if it's uh, shown every single week. There's always going to be a dedicated amount of players. And again, yeah, from the financials perspective, maybe I don't see a, a lot of uh, fluctuation and, you know, calling for a fire sale on all this stuff. But um, yeah, it's still decent enough. It's just might run in a couple little problems when people don't you know th there's not a huge emphasis on it anymore and, but I, I don't think it'll be too big of an issue all right so uh moving on to uh more encouraging topics we had another big announcement so seth another return to x set <laughs> yeah your so favorite your favorite kind of sets. <laughs> Actually, I don't mind return sets. So I think I, I think that the whole Battle for Zendikar experience has given me that reputation. But I actually like return sets. So okay. Do you? What, what was your guys' initial reaction to this? Uh, another kind of re return set. Apparently, people were a little confused because, oh, why are they doing another return set? Then Marrow kind of confirmed we've been doing this kind of stuff for six years. Uh, okay, so um, we have Innistrad. What is to be expected? Richard? I think it's too soon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it's yeah. not, it, it feels really recent, but Innistrad is actually really old, right? It's uh, like three, four years, I think, since Innistrad was initially released. But I think it was, yeah, 09? No, 10? Was it, was it 09? Five years? Okay, it's been five years, apparently. No. And, oh, Innistrad 2011. Yeah, so yeah four so, years. that sounds more like it. Yeah, okay. there yeah, we go. So, so, oddly enough, Innistrad was when I started MTG Goldfish. Oddly enough, the yep. code name for MTG Goldfish is actually Liliana, after Liliana the Veil. Ah. But it feels way too soon to me. Like, there's just so many planes to explore, right? There's so yeah. many stories you could do. Like, why go back already? And I think Battle for Zendikar and Return to Ravnica have kind of left a sour taste in people's mouths. Like... What really makes the format uh, that's you know Seth alluded to this in his article is not really the lore or like the actual cards. It's like how how fun was the environment, and Innistrad was really good because of its draft format, and it had really powerful cards for standard, right? And you know if they don't reproduce that, it's going to be a bad set no matter how many zombies and ghouls and whatever you throw in there. And given that we're in powered down standard state, I don't see a Liliana, I don't see a Snapcaster light card going into the set. So I feel we're all, you know, getting ready for a big letdown. So, and that's going to tarnish the legacy of Innistrad. So, yeah, I don't like it. I, I, I don't know. Just, just so people actually know the exact timetable. So, you know, Innistrad, the actual set came out in 2011, but the block didn't actually finish until 2013 with Avison Restored. So it is, or 2012, rather, with Avison Restored. So it's even less time, to be honest. But yeah, you're, you're right, Richard. There's a ton of more stuff to explore. Where's my return to Kamigawa? 
<laughs> yeah, like, wouldn't that make sense? Like, choose one of the older planes if you want yeah. to use the planes. Like, Kamigawa got a bad rap the first time around, so I figured that would have been a good one to resurrect. Uh, Seth, what do you think? It's it's the return to return to battle for Zendikar <laughs> in a strat. <laughs> well, my my initial reaction was like Richard was. I think this is really too soon. I like Innistrad. It's an awesome set. It was very flavorful, had powerful cards, but I'm really hesitant because we're coming off of Battle for Zendikar, which was, I think, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of other people's opinions, a letdown compared to uh, the previous set. So it's a little weird to me that coming off of a lackluster return to set, we're going to go right to another return to set. So I'm a little worried that it's going to be Battle for Zendikar all over again. That said, a couple interesting things came out of this announcement. One was Mero, in the big hubbub about two return two sets in a row, came out and said, well, moving forward, we're 50-50 as far as new worlds or new planes and return to planes. So we should be expecting a lot, like every year, to have at least one return to set and the other set or other block being a new world. So that's pretty interesting. That really ramps up the time frame of these uh, return to sets. And the other thing is, I'm pretty sure what happened is they decided they were going to switch to this new block cadence where we're doing two sets in a block instead of three. They had the return to Zendikar planned. Then they decided, well, we need to, and that was probably originally a three set block, and then they decided, well, we need to make this into a two-set block, so we need to have a new set for the spring. So let's go back to Innistrad, and my bet, and this is speculation, but I'm pretty sure the shadow over Innistrad is going to be Emrakul, and it's actually going to be sort of a continuation of the battle for Zendikar block, but on the Innistrad plane. Hmm. Yeah, see, I, I speculated a little differently. I, you know, they released that image of uh, Jace and kind of that figure in the background. It was, uh, and I, I feel like maybe they're drawing a conclusion between who Nahiri is and Avicen, and maybe Avicen went evil or something like that. I don't know, but um, I, I still think it's too soon in terms of Innistrad. You guys are right. Um, I'm not getting my hopes up, um, but I'm not going to instantly bash the idea. Like, I, I do think it's too soon. Uh, there was a lot of other stuff that maybe they could have done, you know, make a set like Kamigawa or something like that. Anything, really. But, yeah, I, I'm, I don't think there's going to be a lot of high-profile reprints that people are suddenly starting to think that may happen. I mean, I'm not seeing the Snapcaster Mage. I'm not seeing the Liliana the Veil. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Dude, the we, one thing we, we I need the Innistrad wanna... lands, though. Those things are getting outrageous yeah. <laughs> for modern. The Woodland Cemetery yeah. type lands. So my big question is, what are the, what are the expeditions going to be? <laughs> are there expeditions? Expedition, there are expedition right? Snapcaster, expedition Liliana, expedition Cavern of Souls. So there you go. <laughs> we'll just keep just doing expeditions every set. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we don't have much to talk, or we don't really have much to go on, but. Hopefully we get at least surprised, and hopefully it's not a letdown. Please, no more flip cards. I hate. I that. think that's definitely coming. <laughs> Is it all the werewolves? 
got cured or something, you know? Oh, you're <laughs> they right. became wolfier right. or whatever, right? So we just get more right. miracles or something out of this. <laughs> well, hopefully we don't get anything like in Jess, right, Seth? That was uh, yeah. Not, I'm I, as not. long as as long as we get invisible stalker, I'll be happy. And you want what was the other one? Butcher cleaver. Butcher's cleaver. Butcher's cleaver. Yeah. The combo. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. Um, so hopefully Innistrada really excites us. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> for now, <laughs> for now we have Commander spoilers. And as someone that actually doesn't play EDH or Commander or whatever you want to call it, this is actually really exciting. I mean, I'm more excited for this than I am for like. And I I was one of the ones that like tried to hold on to Battle for Zendikar and not be, like, the person that always says this is the worst set ever, like, every time a set comes out. Uh, but I'm more excited about this than, like, any of the sets prior. Like, I'm serious. And it's only 55 cards, but these cards look really cool. Is there anyone in particular that you guys wanted to talk about? I wanted to touch on the uh, the 5-mana 2-2 two, two Insect Shaman Mazirek Kral Death Priest. I'm just a sucker for, like, insect... Ravnica, like, Golgari stuff. So um, the design behind some of these cards are really interesting, and this is one of them. I also really like Daxos The Return. For, I don't know why. It just seems like a really solid card in black and white, and I really like the fact that they incorporated the story into these commander sets a little more. We we talked a, a little bit about this off-cast, me and Richard, and I asked both of you, actually, if they incorporated the storyline as much as they have this time around. And there were kind of, uh, like, bits and pieces, like we got the old uh, Obnixilis as a planeswalker when he was a human, but I don't think it was really to this extent. And I really like that. And a lot of these cards are just really good. Unfortunately, no legacy stuff, uh, I don't think. But, yeah, I'll give it the floor to you guys. Richard. Yeah, I was talking to Seth about this earlier. The mechanics and what the cards do are just really exciting. So even though I don't yeah. play Commander, everything looks so new and fresh. Like, especially coming off Val for Zendikar spoilers, where it was just like, oh, this is murder with Awaken. Oh, okay. You know, here we have Myriad, we have experience counters, uh, we have aggressively costed uh, gold cards with interesting abilities, and we have a lot of flavor as well, right? Like, not just story, but now you have... Uh, snake tribal right like that's going to be a thing with the uh, the new uh cassetto orochi archmage right you have the insects the insect shaman right and you have you know daxos returned so you have a lot of interesting cards that enable kind of new archetypes new tribal archetypes and also uh, the flavor aspect like you mentioned as well so even though we've only seen uh, about 30 new cards 25 new cards uh, so far it's been really exciting at you know i don't even play commander Right, so I wish there was a format I could play these in, uh, which I don't have a play group to play commander with. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right now it's just like, oh, okay, these are cool cards, uh, not legacy playable, but you know. Yeah, uh, Seth, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish they would do stuff like this in standard legal sets. The cards are exciting yeah. and they're different, and we, it's a, just a shame that they're putting this set that you can't play anywhere except on kitchen tables and. Even though these cards are exciting, they're not good enough for Legacy, I don't think. So we just don't have any place to play them. So, but the cards are awesome. Like, I like almost every new card that they've spoiled is exciting in its own way. It has an interesting ability, and it has great flavors. So I think it's going to be a big hit. 
Yeah, it's definitely it definitely seems and again, I'm not like an EDH aficionado, but it definitely seems like this is the set and they have had a couple good commander uh runs. Like the first one specifically I remember was a really big hit and still has a lot of the cards in there that are impactful today. But it seems like this one is really like if you don't play EDH, like th- these cards might actually get people to play EDH or commander or whatever you want to call it. But um because I'm definitely one of those people that this is, like, speaking to me in a big way. And uh, I don't play it at all. I mean, I used to, like, back when people actually played it around where I lived. But since then, I, I mean, I really haven't played in such a long time. I didn't really play that much to begin with. So I never really kind of got into it uh, as much as anyone else. Just kind of, like, got dragged along because that's what everyone wanted to do. Uh, but th- these are really sweet. But it begs the question, and I actually talked about this to uh, a bunch of people now, Seth, and, and it's actually kind of like weird timing because of the SCG announcement. I think they need to like add in that these cards are available in Modern too. And we talked about this on the cast, but I think it's now more paramount because there's, I mean, what's the point of having them in Legacy? I mean, really? I mean, is it, if no one's really going to, support it as much and not saying it's going away or anything like we said but these i think these cards need to be like included in the modern yeah i agree 100 percent. and looking over these cards the way they're designed is so they're very powerful most of them in multiplayer situations but not always all that powerful in a heads-up dual situation so none of these cards just looking them over feels unsafe for modern. There's nothing that sticks out and is like, wow, that's just way too broken. It shouldn't be in modern. I think they could just make an announcement. Hey, commander is legal in modern. Now keep designing the same type of cards and it would be fine. Right. And well, at the same time, it's not just the commander stuff because we do get some reprints with this. Also, we know that like Gisela from uh, Innistrad is, is getting a reprint. So I mean, it just seems like a prime spot to add in something like that, you know? Yeah, I think I think that it should have happened already, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's it's, my opinion, too. Yeah, And it's the solution to so many of the problems that we've been talking about with supply issues and getting fetches and standard. Like, if you open up these supplemental products and make them modern legal, it solves so many different problems, not just in the gameplay. It makes the gameplay more interesting, but on the financial end of things as well. Right. And and to my knowledge, uh, these are abundant, right? Like these aren't some limited print run type thing. I mean, I still see commander products sitting on shelves from the last round. Yeah, that's how it is where I am too. I walk, if you walk into a big box store, you can pick up any of that. Actually, last time I was in a big box store, they had some from, I guess it would be 2013, not the last ones from last year, but the year before were still on the shelves. Yeah, and um, I was just in Walmart the other day. They're actually discounted, like, 10% at this point. Yeah. I I think you're right, Seth. They need to have done this by now. They really do. I mean, it's a great place to do it. And I understand, like, the the hesitation and, you know, making it just legacy, but it just – it's so much better if they just add modern to this. I don't know. What do you think, Richard? Oh, yeah, go ahead, Seth. What's the downside? Right. That's what I keep asking. It seems like it's just all upside. Yeah. But go that's yeah. yeah, go ahead. The downside is they need to spend more time in R and D, right? It costs them yeah. more. Because if they accidentally put two name nemesis into a modern, it's it's gonna 
be bad times, but uh, I agree with you guys. I think they should do it. Uh, we we only have so many avenues for getting things into modern right now, which is basically go through standard, and that causes issues with standard. Uh, so you know, just just having a supplemental product where they can inject cards directly into modern would solve a lot of their of all the pricing issues with modern, and it would make it more accessible. But then the question is, well, why stop there? Why not add conspiracy? You know, why not add the older sets? Why not make it legacy without the reserve list, basically, right? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. if you're gonna get rid of legacy, maybe you should just do it outright and then replace it with another legacy, which would be modern plus. Uh, I don't know that Wizards has thought that hard about this. Like, I, I don't know if someone at Wizards is kind of coordinating legacy and modern and these eternal formats in such a way. I think most of their effort is put towards uh, standard and limited. Um, but maybe this is something that will happen in the future as they uh, look at these older formats and try to figure out, you know, what they can do to keep them healthy. Yeah. Now, Richard, if they did that, what would you think uh, is more likely to happen? Modern becomes the new legacy and something goes in between modern and standard or something goes like behind modern where that's like the new eternal format. I don't see them ever making another legacy like Right. Okay. It's just kind of there. I I could see them trying to expand modern a bit, but like, what would the motivation be? Right. The motivation is not to sell cards pre eighth edition or something. Right. Like, yeah, there is yeah. actual no motivation from wizards, aside from you know throwing a bone to the players and just opening up the uh, bunch of sets that are legal for modern. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in all likeliness, I think nothing will happen. I think they'll just keep modern and standard, and then that's it. And the legacy will just die off. Or it'll just become the new vintage. Like, this format everyone knows about, a handful of people play, but uh, other than that, it's just kind of ignored. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite card from the Commander spoilers so far? Richard? Uh, I think I like the Snake guy, which we talked about. Cassetto Orochi Archmage. Uh, yeah. Basically, uh, Simic, 3 to cast, 2-2. Uh, Green and a blue target creature can't be blocked this turn, and if it's a snake, it gets plus two, plus two. And to go along with Cassetto, they have reprinted Coiling Oracle. So you get to play some sweet uh, Snake Tribal, which, I don't know, Snake Tribal sounds very interesting to me. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what, what the appeal of snakes are, but uh, I can see it becoming a popular tribe, like goblins and elves and things like that. For some reason, people love snakes. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Seth? Well, this is probably the most spiky card you could pick, but I really like Fiery Confluence. I think that's my my favorite. It's a four mana, uh, four mana, two and two red for a modal sorcery. So you get to choose three, and you can choose the same mode more than once if you want. Uh, mode one is Fiery Confluence deals one damage to each creature. Uh, mode two is it deals two damage to each opponent, and mode three is destroy target artifact. So basically, Fiery Confluence is like an Anger of the Gods, a three-damage, like, wrath-type spell. It's a six-damage-to-the-face-burn spell and a Shatterstorm-type effect all in one card. So that card really excites me. Unfortunately, I don't think it's quite good enough for Legacy, but if it was legal and modern, I think this would see some play. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Yeah, to to swing back to what I was talking about earlier, I really like uh, the Mazirak Crawl Death Priest. It's three-generic. Black, green, a 2-2 with flying, legendary creature, insect, shaman. Whenever a player sacrifices another permanent 
Put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. That includes fetch lands. Dax- and Daxos, the returned one generic black white, two two legendary creature zombie soldier. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you get an experience counter, which is one of the new mechanics in the, the new commander product. And then one generic, one white, one black as its ability. Put a white and black spirit enchantment creature token onto the battlefield. It has this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of experience counters you have. So it's a really interesting card. Really like the design of this stuff. Before we head out for the shorter cast, Richard, we have some fish mail. Let's tackle that. Okay, we have uh, one that came in via email from Big Steve. His uh, question is, I was wondering what, with Wizards powering down standard, do you think once cons block rotates out, that prices of BFC cards will rise? It seems like the entire set is really cheap right now because it's not being used at the pro level. Come spring with the release of Shadows of Innistrad, will the new standard uh, raise the price of BFZ once new strategies are made uh, at the pro level? Great question. Shout out to Big Steve. Um, Seth, I'll let you answer first. Yes, for some cards. Definitely, prices will increase. The One of the big issues with Battle for Zendikar is it really is overshadowed by some really powerful cards in cons block. So once those cards leave the format, those cards, the cards from Battle for Zendikar, are going to see more play, which will increase their prices. Like, uh, think of a card like Drana, for example, which is really powerful but doesn't really have a home. A card like that could all of a sudden be one of the most played cards in Standard and have a price tag that reflects that. But I also would caution not to take that theory too far because there's a ton of supply of Battle for Zendikar. People have been opening it, and this spring will be peak supply time when we've spent six months opening these cards in drafts, people cracking cases looking for expeditions. So while prices will increase, especially for mythics that go from unplayed to heavily played, and to a lesser extent for rares, I wouldn't expect just this huge, like, every Battle for Zendikar card is going to be super valuable because the supply is going to keep that in check to some extent. Yeah, I think supply is a big factor here, but there's also a couple other factors. And I think what we will see is more akin to what we saw uh, when the kind of October rotation came around and cons was kind of the main block that everyone wanted to use, right, Seth? So I think um, what we're going to see is, especially in the rares, uh, you mentioned the mythics, Seth, and I think you're right about that, but I would expect more price movement akin to like the cards like a Mantis Rider in Battle for Zendikar. I'll just use like Wasteland Strangler uh, as a uh, example. A card that's like under a dollar fifty cents that maybe goes to two dollars. So that that's kind of and while on paper that's a pretty big jump, in real life terms that's not too devastating. So I, I see price increases happening like that because there like, like Seth says, there's just a lot of these will be have been opening Battle for Zendikar for a while. Um, we still have a while to go even before Oath comes out. But at the same time, we're in this new block cadence where even if cards do increase, you know, you're going to have to temper expectations because the rotation cycle is going to start speeding up. So it's there's not going to be a lot of time for these cards to heavily spike and, and stay there. Um, I would expect like cards like Gideon to kind of stay high, while it's it's in its tenure and standard, and then slowly 
dropping off and then finally dropping off when it rotates. But again, I, I see the more a card like a Wasteland Strangler or something like that going from like 50 cents to $2 type scenario. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of that. I think you're right. Um, there will be increases like that as things see more or less play. Uh, but I wouldn't expect, like you said, there's enough supply out there that you're not going to see a Wasteland Strangler go to $10 or something right, like exactly. that. So, yep, I agree with you. Yeah, especially, like you said, Rare. Uh, I would definitely look at the Mythics first. Like, a card like Drana, like Seth uh, mentioned, could come down as low as, like, what, 6 bucks, 7 bucks, Yeah. And then suddenly become, like, $15, $16. So a straight-up, like, double-up. I-, I think that's more likely. But in, in terms of everything else, it's not going to be a huge uh, leap. Yep, that sounds sounds right to me. I agree. Yeah. So, great question. Okay, we have a, a second question, which we we're a bit late on. Uh, we we missed this. <laughs> Sorry, we missed this. Uh, it comes from at shydsv. Uh, can they fix fix with air quotes Moxin for legacy if they cost one colored mana? Colorless producing petal for modern. Or a three converted mana cost Lotus. So essentially, new takes on <laughs> Power Nine uh, stuff. I don't know. I I don't even know if they would want to try to do that. Could it be balanced? Sure. I, I think they've done a decent job at balancing uh, stuff in the past, especially kind of these new dual lands, quote unquote. So I think there could maybe in the future be something along the lines of that. But again, with modern, I, I don't know. It would If it's suddenly too good, I mean, that's a swift ban we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Moxin are – they already have balanced Moxin, right? Uh, Chrome Mox, Mox Opal, and uh, Mox Diamond. Uh, making a one color or sorry one man of mox I think would be too strong because you can it's still ramp right it's ramp that's free that pays for itself right so yeah. you can just string together a bunch of mox in and like hey guys I'm on turn four what, what turn are you on right so I, I think it's way too strong like that and I think the balanced ones are like chrome mox or mox diamond where they they cost you a card to accelerate uh, or something weird like uh, mox opal where you need to adhere to strict requirements. Um, and the the problem with mana is it, it kind of breaks the, the resource management of the game, so it makes decks like Storm uh, potentially very bad if you don't do it correctly. Right? So just things that give you an extra mana, like Lotus Petal, uh, you know, that's severe card disadvantage, but people play it anyway because that one mana uh, is enough to, to win you the game. So, you know, getting something less aggressively costed than Lotus Petal, like, I don't see that working. Uh, you know, would Lotus Petal break Modern? I think it would, right? Uh, a colorless Lotus Petal would probably break Modern as well. So I, I can't see, you know, better mana producing, right? Like, I, I think, like, Birds of Paradise are, you know, Noble Hierarch is as broken as it's going to get. Like, creature based yeah. uh, acceleration that can be dealt with. Right, because when you stick a turn one Deathrite Shaman or turn one the Hierarch, you feel like you're winning the game, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you, you basically yeah. just threw a Mox down, right? Uh, so I, I can't see them doing better than that. It would be too powerful, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Richard. 
Well, Seth. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the cards you mentioned, Richard, is balanced versions of Moxin. Those are banned in modern, so I don't think there's <laughs> any chance that they're going to top those. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was saying. Like, uh, like initially, like maybe, but I mean, I don't know. Modern, it would have to be a pretty swift ban because you're right. I mean. That's just too good. I mean, I just think. think of Lion's Eye Diamond, right? You're like, oh, wait, we'll just make you discard your entire hand. It'll be balanced. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? wrong. It's still too good. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah. You, gotta, you, have a, you have to have a lot of downsides to offset, like, fast mana. I think, though, one that I think could be possible would be a three-mana Black Lotus. Yeah, maybe. You're not, I think you're not gaining mana. It's basically a free card, but that Mox Opal kind of does the same thing in the right deck. And we already have Coalition Relic, which adds two mana the following turn, because you can tap it to add a counter for one, and then tap it to add the mana for the other. But what if you just, like, turn one Dork, turn two Lotus, turn three Titan? Like, is that well, not too good? Because it's like, you, you get to save up the mana, right? So, like, if you're, if you're going to use it on the same turn, it kind of sucks, but... Getting three mana ramp on turn three still well, seems pretty good, no? I mean, isn't that what Bloom Titan's already doing, <laughs> essentially? Yeah. So, <laughs> is Bloom Titan supposed it, it should it get banned? I mean, I don't know. It's now still you're letting other decks do this as well without playing a bunch of synergy pieces, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, you can just shore up, you, you make Bloom Titan more consistent, right? Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's not such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Especially colorless. I, I think the thing that kills it is colorless. Like, having every deck, you know, have access to these cards is probably not good. So, hopefully that answers your question. Good question. Sorry we didn't get to it. Uh, uh, it was a little late. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but, yeah, I think this was a really good short cast. Uh, again, sorry for the... Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get back to a more regular... Cast, uh, we'll talk about a few more things. We'll have more spoilers for sure. And um, yeah, I think we covered everything. Uh, is there anything else we needed to discuss? Last minute thing out the door? I think that's about all of it. All right. So thanks everyone for joining us on this uh, MTG Goldfish cast. We will see you next time.